How can you increase your income without working any harder or any longer? Let's forget that quote, the harder I work, the less I make. You've heard that before. You may have even said it. But what we're going to talk about is increasing your income without working any harder or any longer. Welcome to Company of One, episode number 130. I am Dale Callahan, your host. And so if you don't know me, and maybe you've been listening to this, maybe not. Uh, so I'm an associate dean of engineering at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Uh, we're one of the many engineering schools around the country. Well, I don't know how many engineering schools, not as many as other things, but there's lots of engineering schools around the country. Uh, one of the things I'm focused on is what we would call external relations or uh, you know outreach type stuff with other companies and other industries and also helping teach professional programs, people like yourself that are trying to grow in leadership, earn more money. So who I spend my time with, I spend my time with industry and entrepreneurs, always have, that's how I think, and that's how you need to think. Not because that's how I think, but because that's how you get more money. Works for me, works for a lot of people. Uh, some of us are really, really good at it. Some, a lot of people are much better at it than me. We want you to be better. So this idea of increasing your income without working any harder or any longer is important. And I said that quote before, the harder I work, the less I make. You've heard this. It makes me sick. And people always say that we come to meetings, well, the harder I work, the less I make. And I told some dude the other day, I was like, well, you're doing it wrong. And he just looked at me like, you know, you're not supposed to say that. Everybody, we're in a complain mode, right? Don't don't give me this. But if you're if you're working harder and making less, you're doing it wrong. That is just the raw. Think about it. Look in the mirror. I'm working harder and making less. I'm doing it wrong. So we want to talk about doing it right. We want to talk about increasing your income without working any harder or any longer. Because let's let's think about it. when I talk about people, hey. I want to help help you increase your income. Our, our graduate program, the very first thing we tell them is, uh, our goal here is that you get 100% return on investment, that you are going to uh, up your salary by $30,000. We can't promise to make it happen because it's up to you, but we're going to show you how. Up your income by $30,000 a year. Now, many will go past that. Some will struggle to get there. Uh, but it's all up to them, right? And and uh, they'll start off with, well, you don't understand. I already work so many hours a day, or I don't have time to take a side job, or I don't, you know, or I work for the government, or I work for big company X, and we don't, we just, I'm at the top of my pay range. All that's a bunch of bull, because all that doesn't matter. And we're going to talk about what does matter today because it's not about working harder. It's not about working any longer. It's not about your pay grade. It's not about whether you're at the top of the pay scale. It's about something else. And we can talk about that ad nauseum. I'm not going to do that today uh, because I can explain to you how that game works because um, it's a game, right? It's a game. I'm an employer. You work for me. I'm looking for great service. I'll figure out a way to reward you and keep you. It's simple. So let's talk about this. The simple idea is, is if you want to make more money, you need to increase your service. Now, we talked about in episode 129. I've talked about in many of the past episodes. The, the increasing your income is directly tied to increasing your service. 
Uh, Being an entrepreneur, talked about in the last episode, as well as others, but just recently in the last episode, that by make by uh, you're an entrepreneur, you are in control of the business of you, and you own the business of you. And therefore, you get to decide how much service you want to provide. So simple idea, though. Provide more service, make more money. Uh, So remember, though, increasing your service, right? That's what an entrepreneur is focused on. So let me talk. Let's talk about step one here. Let me just jump right in. If you want to increase your income without working any harder or any longer, let's do step one. Go back and listen to episode 129. (laughs) Uh, But let me just say, if you haven't listened to it and you want a shortcut, you are an entrepreneur. The definition of an entrepreneur is they're in control and they own. You are in control and you own your job. You own your ability to work. You don't own your job, but you own your ability to work. Uh, You can pick who you want to work for. There may be pain involved. There may be frustration involved in getting there, but you can quit, go to work for somebody else. You can work harder. You can work less. You can work more savvy. You can learn more. There's all these kind of things. You are a company of one. This is critical. If you can't get this through your head, then the rest of it's a mute point. You're just giving up. You're an entrepreneur. You are in control. If you want to be a victim... If you want to say, I just work for the man and the man's out to get me, then I can't help you. I can help you, and I help many, many people, and I've seen other people just figure it out on their own, how to help themselves by thinking like an entrepreneur. That's why this episode, that's why this podcast is called Company of One. You are a company. Start thinking like it and operating like it. We're going to talk about that at nauseum later. But step one, get that through your head. You are in control. Step two, who are your customers? So I talked about this a little bit in the last episode too. uh, As a matter of fact, we ended with this concept, so I want to build on it just a hair. Your customers, anybody who takes out money from their pocket to pay you for the service you provide, your boss, your boss's boss, whoever. Um, that's your customers. Now, in, in uh, many of your cases, you're a support engineer, you're a software developer, whatever world your job is, you probably have a complicated list. If you work for any size company that's, that's a, a, of any size or bureaucracy or government or something like that, you know, your boss may not have the direct power to fire you. Your boss may not even have any input into what you're doing. So it may be your boss, your boss's boss. It may be a peer, somebody that's a peer to you that you're, that's key to serving you. Because the, the question is, if I quit serving Sally over here, is my job in jeopardy? And if the answer is yes, Sally's a customer. It's just not more complicated than that. The people you serve are your customers. Now, there's the core customers, you know, and probably for most of it, it's our immediate boss. Maybe it's a, um, you know, it, it's the, the core team that I work with. They depend upon me. Uh, maybe it's my core customers, my like uh, internal customers in the sense of if I'm a software engineer, as I used last time for Duke Power, I'm sorry, if, yeah, if, I'm, a, if I'm a support engineer for Duke Power, and I'm providing support, 
uh, for transmissions or substations, then the people who work on the substations, the crews out there, they may be my my customers. They're, they're that internal customer. They pick up the phone to call me for service. So thinking about who your customers are, uh, what I want you to do is get out a sheet of paper or get on a notepad or a Word document, whatever you're fancy, and write them down. Put names next to them. It's Sally and it's Sue and it's John and it's Jeff and who are all these people that I serve? What's their role? Uh, you may have three. You may have one. You may have 20. Uh, but you're, you kind of, you logically know these are the most important. So prioritize them. Get their names out. Prioritize them. Who are the people that you really need to satisfy most, foremost, and uh, get those out there. So define who your customers are. That's step one. Think like an entrepreneur. Step two, define your customers. Step three, now that you've got this list, you're going to take action with it. What do your customers need from you? What's missing? Now, this is going to require you to do something that some of you will find uncomfortable. Go ask them. <laughs> yeah, go ask them. Take your brainstorming mind and say, okay, the first one on my list is my boss, and my boss is Sally, and here's the things I think, not, not your job description, but here's the things that Sally depends on me to do. Write them down. Write them down. There may be 20, there may be 30, whatever it is. Write down the things that you think, Sally, that you add value to Sally on your position, on your job, and go show it to Sally and say, hey, I'm just thinking about, you know, what's the most important things I'm doing? I'm just really, and usually this, this kind of conversation, once you kiss past some awkwardness, if you're not used to having this, it's actually appreciated. So don't get too freaked out about it. It's, it's just, you know, if you have to say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. We do this in the graduate program. I'm saying if you have to go and say, hey, this faculty member is having me do this for my assignment, you know, if, that, if you need that kind of thing for your cover, quote unquote, hey, I'm doing this workshop and I'm trying to learn this, then it gives you some cover. And, you know, if you're uncomfortable, if you think maybe your boss may or not may think it's crazy. Uh, but you want to ask them, you know, hey, what? these are the things I think I'm doing. What adds value here? What's the most important? If I have 20 things on my list that I do for my boss, I want them to say, Dale, this is number one. If you can't, if, if the world is burning down, this is what I want you to do. If you can get a second one done, do this one. If you can get a third one done, you do this. In other words, I want them to prioritize the, the big three things. That's the big three wins. By the way, there's probably only three. And you're probably sitting there thinking, no, oh, there's 20. No, when, you, when it comes to business, when it comes to the function that you provide, there's probably a couple of core things that you need to do. Now, that may be big things and they may be complicated things. But there's probably just a few core things that if you had to drop everything else, don't drop those. And that's what, we, that's what we're looking for. Um, so to put in context, you know, I tell people in manufacturing, we talk to a lot of manufacturing engineers that are friends of ours, clients of ours, whatever. And, uh, they, uh, and, and some of them are safety engineers, and they'll talk about how, what, how safety is the most important thing at their factories. And I said, well, look, if, when the world's burning down, when you have to make a decision, what comes first, safety 
or keeping production going. And they'll say, well, keeping production going. Well, then safety is not the most important thing. You know, that's the way you kind of got to peel back the layers and think about these things. What's really the most important thing? Uh, I'm not going to argue whether that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is in many manufacturing facilities. And the safety engineers know that, so they know their place. Uh, and th- that's important. I'm, you know, that doesn't mean you should quit and go work somewhere else necessarily, but it's important to kind of understand the context is what matters most. And then you can put that in the way you do your job. But you need to think about what it is. And all of this requires you not arguing with your customers. It requires you to listen. Because you're not there to change their mind. You're there to understand their mind. Uh, you know, if I disagree with you about something that you think is a priority, I might say, are you sure? But I'm not going to argue with you because that's not my point. I want to understand how you're thinking. So this is going to require you listening. And it's going to require you asking, maybe over and over. You know, so I asked Sally, hey, on this list of 20 things, what's most important? She, she helps me. She thinks through it. She'll say, it's all important, you know. And I come back to her later and say, okay. Sally, I've kind of thought this more. What do you think? And, and, and if you think going back the second time is awkward, it's not. It actually helps. And she, because I've done this. I'm not telling you creative stuff. I do this with customers from our companies. I do this with internal customers at the university. I teach people to do this hundreds and hundreds of times. When you go back the second time, a lot of times it's like, you know, I, yeah, you're right. I was thinking about that. I was wrong. That's not the most important this is the most important. And you'd be shocked how many times they said they went to their boss to ask them and, and things changed. But you kind of keep going back and you kind of going for clarity. You know, so if, if, if uh, supporting the transmission engineer, the substation engineering field, uh, the field techs, if supporting them is number one, and I come back and I say, okay, you said supporting them was number one. What does that mean? Does that mean them pick up the phone? I got to be there 24-7 to answer their phone. Does that mean I need to be in their meetings? Give me some clarity. What do you consider support? Now we're, now we're digging a little bit. We're trying to understand. And I'm trying to get my boss to think through things. Sometimes the boss already knows all this. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you're forcing them to think through things that they need to think through. So it will require you doing some listening, require you asking over and over, and you kind of test them out a little bit, test some ideas. But it's it's not a one-off conversation. Um, it doesn't mean you're not going to take action immediately, but it's you know what we're trying to do is learn and learn. Let me just tell you how important these two steps. Step two, understanding who your customers are and what they need from you. Step three, as an entrepreneur, in our businesses, I call the people who buy from us once a year at least and ask them, how are we doing? Are we serving you well? What's missing? And I just listen. And it's shocking how many times I'm told, they'll nobody ever else, nobody calls and asks. You're the only one. You know, they, and these are people who buy from hundreds of people. You know, I think that's always weird. Why am I the only one calling and asking? I do care. I want to make more money. Uh, Now, hopefully there's a whole bunch of people in your organization asking questions like this. That would be great. And that makes it easy because the conversation's already happening. But if they're not, start them. 
Uh, so if you think it's awkward by the way doing this, I have seen um, and personally coached clients that did this and their company flipped on its head when they did it. And, I, and by that I mean they started asking these questions. The boss recognized these questions are important and started asking them to their boss. And it went all the way up to the CEO and they kind of flipped around and said, hey, you know, this is the kind of question we need to be asking internally. So by asking these simple questions, and they are simple, I have seen people change their organization from the bottom. Now, not AT&T size organization. There's no hope for that kind of organization uh, in terms of totally flipping it. Uh, but a lot of organizations, you really can flip your organization or at least the larger team and getting them to think differently. Step three is what do your customers need from you? All right, so step four is get creative to solving their problems. Now, how can you think about this? It is, is whatever they've told you, start thinking about how can I help them? Uh, what are the things that they said are their problems? Because in this conversation, you're going to hear all kinds of things that you're not doing. Uh, Maybe you're going to hear some things that you are doing that you don't need to do. You can make those adjustments. But how can you think about it? Because remember, the whole goal here is increasing your income, which means increasing your service. So how can I have listened? How can I have prioritized? And now how can I get creative at solving their problems? Solving their problems is another key word for serving them better. So how, think about it first. How can you repackage what you do for better results? Okay, so, so th think about it, repackaging or recommunicating. How can you redo this for better results? Um, think about data that you work with. So I, there's somebody on my team uh, and she does recruiting for high school engineers and she does all the recruiting and uh, so she goes out, she does all this kind of crazy stuff, she tries to recruit and bring people back. You know, I say crazy stuff, but you know the idea. She tries to, she try, she's, she's a marketing person. And internally, the faculty don't really understand, appreciate what's going on. So what Bethany did, that's her name, is Bethany. She started uh, just a weekly email to the entire school saying, here's what our numbers are. Here's how many is on the admit list. Here's how many is in. In other words, she's talking like four numbers that talk what's in the, the marketing pipeline. You may not know what that is, but it's how many people are interested, how many people have filled out an application to the university, how many people have paid their fee, those kind of things. <clears throat> and it kind of gives us an indication of how many people are coming in. And she'll have a little note down there, what I did last week, and I'm talking about bullet items. You know, and what I'm going to do next week, going to this conference, going to this school, you know, little bullet things. So it's, it's nothing, by the way, all this is is just an email. It's nothing she's not already doing. She was already working with these numbers. She just cuts and pastes them, sticks them in email, sends them out to everybody in this short to the point note. And she's sending this data out in a weekly report. It's had amazing impact because it, it's a, it's a mark internally marketing so now everybody understands is on the same page. And part of the problem in communication that she was having was she did people didn't understand and appreciate what she did. Boom, problem solved. 
So there may be th- sometimes it's as simple as that. Uh, maybe there's a taking your working, adding value to your or- organization. Um, so for instance, I- I'll give you an example from me. So I work for the School of Engineering. So I am in the dean's office. So we have multiple departments. And, and I started seeing um, leadership issues. Just, let's put them in the, the organizational issues. What we teach in our executive program is we teach people how to run their businesses better. And so I started using, started introducing a model to them, and I just took it to the, to the leadership team, and I said, hey, guys, I'm going to pitch that we start running this operation better, and here's what we teach people to do. This is what I do for a living for the school, uh, but so now I'm on the leadership team. How about we do this? And they said, cool, let's do this. It's going to be a lot of work. They got that, but let's do it. Uh, so all I'm doing is taking what I already knew how to do and applying it to the team internally and adding value, right? So, and again, the point here is not that I'm doing more work. It takes more time a little bit, but I'm not having to learn something new. I already do this. So maybe another issue is explore issues that uh, everyone asks for your help with. Right, uh, and a lot of us are in situations, especially technical people, where people always ask us for us for help. I'll give you an entrepreneurial example. So my friend Rusty Hyde, they, him and his wife own Hyde Engineering, and he was explaining to me there's this in the, in large electrical panels there's electromagnetic interference issues, and there's a software program that helps them analyze this. And I'm probably saying all this wrong. It's been a while since Rusty told me, but you get the idea. It's a complex, ugly, uh, mathematical problem that a software does. But even using the software uh, is is not lighthearted. Rusty figured it out and started doing it for people. And then companies were coming to them and saying, hey, can you do this for us? So they created another service that they do. Uh, just to provide this extra service. Now, whether he's, he's doing that entrepreneurially in the sense it's his own company, but remember, it's no different than being an employee, right? He, he could do this internally too. But what's, again, what you're looking for is what some things you're already doing are just easy things to do that can really help move the needle. All right, so that's, re- that's what I would call repackaging. Uh, you know, thinking through how can you do things to serve people better. Uh, what are some things though you can do to easily help? Maybe that's an expansion of what you're doing. Uh, and some there's a little overlap here, but let me give you some examples of what an expansion would look like. Now, all I'm by the way, all I'm trying to do at this point is just give you ideas to think about. So Lee Marotti, who works on our team, they they put almost all the refrigeration and these like super, super cold refrigerators um, that are used for scientific experiments on the International Space Station. They built almost every single one of them for years. So his team does that, but he, he started realizing the university as a whole needs more research and the, the research team, uh, they need some kind of mentors, if you will, to help. And so he volunteered let me quote unquote volunteered because it, he, he started telling the vice president of research he had capacity because he's a leader on the other thing, right? He has capacity. He has a team doing the work and, and um, got paid more to do this on top of his other job, 
right? So this is something else he took on additionally for more pay. When I was with AT&T, uh, we saw a need, the team I was with saw a need, and we just started solving the problem of developing software tools that were needed internally. We didn't have software for this stuff, and we could write some code, and we said, hey, you know, write a piece of code to do this, or do that, do this, and, and it became so big of an operation, that's all, we, we ended up just writing code. Um, so we were more of the infrastructure team. Um, and this is this one I love. <clears throat> I can I, I can peel back the layers and show you this one in many many ways, where there's a whole bunch of people talking about doing something, but they're not ever doing it. You know, we in meetings we talk about things over and over and over and oh, you know the meetings I'm talking about. Uh, I just came from one of those this morning, where two things that we constantly talk about are constantly being done, or uh, never get solved. And so the more bureaucratic your organization is, the easier this is to find. And sometimes you just find these things and says, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to solve it. I can do this. Let's quit talking. Dale's going to go do it. So those are the kind of things that you can do. All right, so all of these are just ways of you know, repackaging or uh, expanding what you're doing uh, to, to have a better influence. But let me throw this other one at you. Stop. Yeah, I mean, stop. If your boss has prioritized for you the top three things, how can you figure out things that you should not be doing, right? If you've got a list of 20 things and you and your boss are constantly talking about the first three, you sometimes end up talking about the first seven or eight, but somehow we never get to 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, right? I mean, you know the idea. Some things just never show up. You might have thought they were important, but your boss don't even know. Uh, so sometimes asking questions about, you know, we never talk about this. Is this important? I've seen many, and we, this is an exercise we do in our graduate program. I've seen many people when they go out and have these conversations that when they talk about those bottom priority items, they're not priorities to the boss at all. And many of them realize nobody cares. This stuff, nobody cares about it. Why am I doing it? And so m many times they gain capacity. Now, this isn't about making more money, but this is about freeing up your time to get involved in other things better uh, so that you can put more time in the things that add more service without wasting your time, right? If, you, if you're going to add more service and something might take a little more time, kill things that don't matter. Uh, so what we call this is eliminate, I mean, delegate, uh, you know, finding things to either delegate, automate, or eliminate, right? Delegate, automate, or eliminate. And we can talk more about the automate part of it, but some the most fun thing is saying, you know what, nobody cares about this. How can I make meetings? How can I go to fewer meetings, for instance, where there's no value? When you talk to your boss and say, I go to these meetings, but we don't ever have any input, and is this valuable to you? Am I the right person? Uh, how can I make me, I mean, for, for instance, on teams I'm on right now, you know, if all of us went to the same meetings, which in some schools they do that, I'm like, John, are you going to the meeting? If you're going, then how about you go and you handle it for us? If there's anything that comes up, bring it to us. Uh, because we don't need to waste a bunch of capacity and money, which is literally money, 
to go into meetings where there's no value. So how can you make meetings that you do have to go to more efficient? Think about those kind of things. What can you be doing to make them more efficient? Uh, make sure you every action you take during the day as you're walking into your building or as when you wake up if you're working from home, whatever you're doing, make sure every action you're taking is actually serving someone. Every action you're taking should be everything from answering your email, showing up to a meeting, speaking at a meeting, teaching somebody, uh, answering the phone, going into the field, whatever it is that you're doing, is it serving somebody? So if you ask yourself a hundred times a day, who am I serving now? And start getting your mind around that because the more you will serve, the more it helps you and the more your salary can grow. I'm going to pick up on that here just so we end in just a second. So let me throw another one in there, training. That's something else we haven't talked about, but many times you have capacity to do things. And as you interface what you do with many other people, let's go back to the support engineer for Duke Power who's supporting um, the field you know, substation teams. Uh Maybe that's, that engineer needs to go out and do training for those substation teams he or she supports. And then uh, that will help, help, help them be more effective in their job and help everybody understand what's going on, take less time because the field techs are spending less time, there's more money. You, know, it's, you see, it's a win-win, right? So sometimes stop and thinking, how can I educate or train or whatever you want to call it, the people I'm working with? Uh, so all of these things are, are nothing but, and I'm, I'm throwing a whole bunch of ideas out at you, but just thinking about you're not an entrepreneur. You are the owner. You are in control. Your job is to serve. If you can serve, let's think about it. If you can take the three top things on your list and you can serve twice as much. Let's say your boss is three, these three things. If you can do twice as much output, output on those three things, can they pay you twice as much? No, I won't harp on that for a minute. I just want to leave you thinking about that. Can they pay you twice as much? A lot of people get freaked out when I start asking them this question. But think about it. If I doubled your salary for your company, is it that big of a deal? Now, if you work for a really small company, it may be a huge deal. But for most of us, it's, it, they won't even blink. It, you know, it's almost a rounding error because your company is so large. Uh, now, in your internal budgets, yes, I understand that. But uh, there's capacity to pay you more if you're delivering more service. I have seen people double their salary on their job. I have been one of them. You know, it, it's not... It's all about providing more service and having the right conversations. And it's about taking control. All right, so all of these things. So let me let me kind of jump back here real quick and recap. Step one, think like an entrepreneur. You are a company of one. You are in control and you are the owner. Step two, identify your customers. Step three, find out what your customers need for you, need from you. Step four, 
get creative and start solving their problems or delivering better service to them. That's where we spent most of our time today is just brainstorming ideas. Uh, if you have more, shoot me an email. I always love to hear what you've done on the job. I'm hearing this all the time from crazy ideas from people. Many times they're obvious. Sometimes they're not so obvious where people have taken control and found ways to do these things. Now, the truth is, don't send me emails. Just because you do these doesn't mean they're going to stand up and give you a standing ovation in one week or tomorrow. It may take months to close the gap. It may take you having conversations about, I'm adding more value. Can I get promoted? Whatever. It may take those kind of things. But let me just be clear. You, if you come to me and I'm your boss and you want more money, I don't care whether you call it a promotion or not, more money is what you want. I want to know how you're serving me. And so these things open up the door to conversations. So I've had these where for me personally, it's generated more money quickly. Some of them it's generated more money slowly. Uh, and both what we consider the traditional entrepreneur and what we consider the traditional employee. I've seen it happen, and I've seen it happen to hundreds of people that we've coached. So go out and try it. Your job is to be the company of one and take back control. Have fun with it. Explore it. Until next week, become a company of one.